Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Friday the 13th is here. That's right, we're talking episode 100, believe it or not, of Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from that creepy lake that has a death curse attached to it. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. We're going to unpack all the gory details of the first Friday the 13th film in bottle episode mode (laughs) in the hopes that if we said something funny, you might find it funny when we edit it out of context and deliver it to you in sound effect form. Uh, And as always, there's only one person I trust that if we finally improved the sound quality of her microphone, it happened more recently than it did in episode three. The one, the only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing, Gina? Uh, I'm, I'm good. You know, we've come to the point in our in our show where we uh, we have to do the, the flashback episode where we are stuck on an elevator or in a in a walk in freezer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I figure it's this, and then uh, next season we get the celebrity guest appearance. Oh, hopefully one of us experiments with drugs and we learn an important lesson. You know, I was going to lie to you and tell you that I invited Davy Jones to my birthday party. <laughs> um, we, we have the, the musical episode coming up. Oh, man. People are going to hate that. They are absolutely going to hate that. Oh, I do not carry a tune well. They, amongst the many things I carry, that is not something I'm great at. <laughs> I carry a grudge, okay, but uh, tune. Oh, but no, we're not we're not talking about the grudge yet. <laughs> oh God, that that will be quite a time. I think though they might be too professionally made <laughs> those grudge movies. <laughs> too, too confident for us to address. <laughs> I, this is uh, this is a thing about the show that I feel might be a ceiling for us is when we reach a franchise that is just too well made and then we're like i don't know what do we talk about like that this character makes sense or i enjoy this acting choice who wants to listen to that then we just have to go into into the individual movies because there are there's just a gold mine of, of b and c grade horror movies that we haven't even come near touching yet that's absolutely true and all of them are getting the cadillac treatment right now so i mean it really warms the cockles of my dead heart that lately we've gotten new blu-ray editions of uh, happy birthday to me and coming up this february a sterling new blu-ray of my bloody valentine is occurring and i can't wait for more people to see that one i think i was a little harsh on it at the time (laughs) you know what else is coming out on blu-ray soon What's that? Skate Town USA. Oh my God, we got to do an episode on Skate Town USA. That is a fucking nuts, that movie. There's literal roller skate fights that happen. Dance fights on roller skates. Patrick Swayze wears wears a vest with no shirt underneath it, which is is a magnificent look. Oh my God! Isn't isn't a Brady Bunch person in that movie too? Uh, yes, I um, Maureen McCormick. Yeah, Scott Baio. Ron Polillo. Oh, oh, yeah. We're talking about that one. We are one death at a time. We're going through Skate Town USA. I promise the fuck out of that. That is happening. Now, whether or not that goes on Patreon 
or that goes on the main feed, I, I couldn't tell you. But that's another reason why people should, you know, if they can, pony up for Patreon, because those are good episodes. Just a, a couple back, we uh, because I was on a European vacation, brag, we released The Visitor. And I love that episode. It's that, a great. It's, it's it's a great episode. <laughs> I mean, we our our brains are leaking out of our noses about halfway <laughs> through that. It's where it's sort of like Sam Neill at the end of uh, In the Mouth of Madness, just just maniacally cackling, just drawing uh, crosses on ourselves, <laughs> watching the end of the world happen. Some bullshit little piece of metal goes pretty bird pretty bird i'm a pretty bird and john houston just walking those stairs forever oh my god just and you can feel how bad his knees hurt the entire time like, ow, ow 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 but you know no live audio was ever recorded so you don't ever hear it i can't get over the fact that they have a projection machine simply for pong <laughs> <laughs> They don't show TV on it. All they do is play Pong on a projector. And everyone walks into her house. Anyways, we're not here to talk about The Visitor, which we could. Oh, I think think we'd get an entire other episode of material out of The Visitor. Just talk about everything we didn't talk about the first time. Uh, We're talking about Friday the 13th because in the three years that we've been doing the show, We've never had an episode come out on Friday the 13th. It's just magnificent planning on our parts. <laughs> I mean, for a show that started off as specifically about that film franchise, we were terrible at marking its passage. It is, we're not, we're not great at this, Gina, at least not the planning part. Oh, the show itself is great. The planning is, is, is bullshit. It's just horrible. I don't know why anyone put me in charge of anything, but they certainly should not have put me in charge of the calendar. I mean, a couple times I've left you off the show and not on purpose. (laughs) Or was it? (laughs) Nope. No, it wasn't. Uh, Very few things I do are on purpose. So we figured, why not give you a taste? Like we have newer listeners who've just come on board for the Nightmare on Elm Street series, because maybe that's their favorite. They weren't Friday people, let's say. They they don't like Ice Cube. Um, they, they just, for whatever reason, they don't like bathroom humor, where Ice Cube's uncle is on, on, on the toilet all the time, just spraying the air with Lysol. <laughs> I'm talking about the right Friday, right? Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, and then somehow Jason Voorhees is involved in it. Uh, Anyways, uh, you may not have listened to some of those earlier shows. And to say that the show has evolved would be a grand understatement. Even though there are some things that are absolutely the same about it, a lot of things are just different because we have more practice now. So we figured, why not give you kind of like a, a best of of some of the early Friday the 13th shows, especially ones that we didn't have guests on because um, we didn't know what we were doing yet. In a way we did, and in a way we didn't. I mean, do you have regrets or thoughts about the way we started off this journey together three plus years ago, Gina? Uh, I mean, I I probably was in well into part two before I started taking notes. <laughs> and, and 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 now I tell everybody, take voluminous notes. You you yeah. may not like if you think of something funny you want to say, write it down. 
because you will yes. absolutely you will absolutely turn to Porky Pig at some point where you just start <laughs> stumbling over your own words and it's it's, it's okay to rehearse something you're going to say it keeps you from talking over people it makes you sound like you almost know what you're talking about <laughs> you know they don't have to be like six pages but you know, you can give yourself talking points i mean i realize that the whole you know supposedly one of the the attractions of podcasting is it sounds very off the cuff but you could sound off the cuff while still knowing in advance what you're going to say yeah well you i mean you know write your funny stuff in advance i mean everyone like has one bon mot but believe me it it happens but sometimes preparing helps i the big mistake that I made early on is that I would watch the movies from the beginning every time for every episode. Oh my because, God. Yes. <laughs> for some reason, I thought this was a great idea because we would talk about specific characters. And so I wouldn't take notes on Alice until the fourth episode. <laughs> I would sort of ignore her up until the point which she became the center of the film so then i would talk about alice in terms of where she is from the beginning upward and i i um uh, i stopped that because <laughs> i started to hate the process and i'm like why am i doing this i should just watch the section of the movie we're talking about and stop where we're stopping and then pick it up later <laughs> Uh, and my enjoyment of the process uh, increased many fold after that. Oh yeah, yeah. I always watched in in you know the little bite sized pieces. I wish I had uh, taken notes on how you watch them because <laughs> uh, I really really hated that first movie. By the time we reached the end of it, and I missed all sorts of things in that fourth episode that I wish we had talked about. Mainly that Alice kicks uh, Mrs. Voorhees in the crotch. <laughs> <laughs> with some reason just don't mention it and it's really the best part of that fight because otherwise it's just two women who don't know how to fight rolling around on the ground it's not for a woman who uh, up until this point has lifted people off the ground and stabbed them into a door with an arrow she loses all of her super strength when she's on a one-to-one -one fight with a girl with a dorothy hamill haircut <laughs> so we're what we did is uh, I reached out to Amy, who is a tremendous supporter and fan of our podcast. And I said, from your perspective, what are like some of the funnier parts of these early uh, Friday the 13th episodes? Let me know what you think. And so she, she sent me some of the suggestions with little time codes and what she found amusing about it. And I mixed that with some of my own. And so what we're going to give you is a little sampling on Friday the 13th of Friday the 13th. I don't know that I'll be able to get to part three or four <laughs> just because uh, it turns out someone's got to sell you the new season of Dynasty. And that someone is me. <laughs> Turns okay, so out it's a very funny show. I, I don't want to brag or anything. Dynasty, one of the funniest comedies that is not supposed to be a comedy on television right now. It's hilarious. Well, we'll get to, to episode three or four and, and for our 200th episode. That's right. We're going to dole them out on the hundreds. Because, because, like I said, there's just there's a bottomless well of movies we could cover. That's 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 the beautiful thing about horror is there just there's so much good out there, and and yet there's so much more bad out there. Yes. Do you miss talking about Friday the Thirteenth? No. 
<laughs> you don't? I, well, I, do sometimes. I, I mean, I, I like, there was some that I liked talking about more than others. Like by the yeah. time we, by the time we got to like seven, I was like, let's, mm, could we just get to, I, I really liked, I can talk <laughs> again, I can go completely over part four again. Cause part four yeah. is a genuinely good movie. It really is. Um, I think some of our, I think some of our funniest bits were in five and six. Um, and I think, I think that, uh, Jason goes to hell was just so weird. And, and I, I think we were kind of at the same level, almost at the same level we were at for, um, the visitor, which we were just Mm -hmm. so perplexed at what was happening that it couldn't help but be funny. (laughs) (laughs) And the thing I regret is not just doing, uh, Jason X as a one and done. That was exhausting. I mean, we had great guests. We did. That's no, they, the they, crazy thing. Yeah, like, there they were fantastic guests on, on but, those but shows. I, but I feel like particularly the last one with, with, with Andrew Schwartz, I feel like he was just kind of like we were just like soldiers wounded in the battlefield. He just kind of came up and like picked us up and like dragged us off the field. <laughs> he becomes the host of the show because we're just... You can't see it, but we're just nodding, sweaty in front of microphones. Going, God, why? Why isn't this over yet? Why? Why did that guy have sex with a robot? <laughs> and we're just broken because there's so many dead bodies in that show. Oh, wow. But we'll have all those people on again for much better movies, and we learned our lesson, everyone. But don't let our terrible attitude of Jason X stop you from, from listening to the other uh, Friday the 13th episodes, because really that's why we started the show because those characters are so weird and the details are so very odd. And we found all these weird tropes that carried from movie to movie that I had never noticed before because we started taking notes (laughs) and uh, I do kind of miss the simplicity of it. On occasion, I find myself when someone brings up Friday the 13th, I'm like, oh, I have all these things to say. It's like, why? Why would you still have something to say about this dumb movie franchise after you recorded almost all of your thoughts about it? (laughs) I can still still definitely have things to say. I'm not having completely exhausted the subject. And and I think particularly as as we are now into the lesser Nightmare on Elm Street movies that, you know, I they're going to start looking better by comparison. <laughs> yeah, it's a grass is greener sitch uh, on some of these. But again, I think we've learned our point not to sort of belabor um, our misery. We just hit the highlights now and stop. We stopped worrying and learned to love the bomb as it were. <laughs> so here you go, everybody. Here is some highlights from the early Friday the 13th movies. Uh, join us on Patreon for uh, a super special episode that's only available to 5 and $10 patrons there. Uh, thank you so much for your support. And we will also finish up Dream Child a little bit later on with a great guest who has all sorts of inside knowledge about a dream child that I did not know and um, is wild. He has access to the original script and I don't want to give some of the shit away, but it will blow your mind how stupid this movie could have been. Could have been? Could have. I I, listen, we understand we just recorded uh, the second, the first half and that was dumb, but I promise you there's so much shit that is dumber. 
that could have been in this movie. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh, Gina, I'm not overselling it. There's something here that I literally, I had to lean all the way back in my chair with an <laughs> O face when I heard it. I'm like, oh my God. So not to oversell it, but that movie is fucked up. Anyways, let's, let's talk about uh, Friday the 13th in uh, clip form. Why don't we? Let's do it. Gina, you're awesome. Thanks. Aww, thanks for hanging thank out you. with me. Thanks it's, for doing it for a hundred episodes. It's a joy. Thank you. I, honestly, I could not ask for a better host. Thank you very much to both of our spouses who put up with this bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> it should not. And of course, to all of our listeners, uh, new and old in between. Thank you for being a part of this journey and supporting us in any way that you support us, whether that's just downloading an episode telling a friend in person or on social media or supporting us financially. We appreciate all of it and we think you're cool and we'd love for you to come back and not yell at us when we get things wrong, which really hasn't happened in a while. How could it? We're, 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 we're perfect. I mean, we've been wrong. They just have chosen not to yell at us. <laughs> we've, we're very wrong because quite we're, often because we're, we're delicate and, and cannot take criticism. This is this podcast is not about accuracy, everyone. It's about emotions. <laughs> All right. Uh, enjoy the highlight reel. See you next week, everyone. Bye. Bye. We meet uh, Barry and Claudette. They're never really named. You only learn their names in the in the title in the title sequence or the end credits rather and we see them they're amongst other counselors and they are singing michael rode the boat ashore and giving each other fuck eyes it's that's, about, a, that's an appropriate setting that dude that's very it's erotic you know summer camp when you're surrounded by young children very erotically charged i can, yes. I, I, can I can definitely see this michael rode the boat ashore i have to hum it to myself in order to gain an erection that's how <laughs> just the kernel of it is so sexy the other thing that makes it just burst in fire of raw sexuality is you have two people in the most unnatural fibers, the whitest of white belts, shorts that are unflattering on him, on her, on human beings. I don't know what would look good in those shorts, but a satyr, perhaps. I don't know. But they're just bad outfits. And they look at each other like, if if we don't at least touch each other's genitals i'm gonna burst into flames yeah i mean these uniforms are very bible camp for lack of a better <laughs> phrase just you know I, I think you know with the idea of you know to make everybody seem sort of asexual i guess mm -hmm. obviously with barry and claudette it did not work i mean they might as well have been wearing leather chaps and and, and chains but yes but yeah, these are these are not outfits that were intended to make anybody seem particularly attractive to each other. No, they go up to the second floor of whatever this is. It might be a boathouse, I think. It is an empty box storage facility. We will soon find yes. out. And then we get Claudette's amazing fight for life where she <laughs> throws empty cardboard boxes, not necessarily at her opponent, but to the side of her opponent as to not hit the camera that the cameraman is holding. <laughs> 
the, in the general direction of. Um, I won't even say it's the general direction. If I'm looking straight on at you, she is throwing, I'd say, a good 20 to 30 degrees off of that. Maybe it's her swing. Maybe she needs to practice more. But if you've seen the person you were with and the only one who could maybe help you in this particular circumstance immediately, just get dropped with a knife. Start swinging. Start doing something. I don't want to blame the victim here. <laughs> But I think, I think I think a pattern in these movies is going to be blaming the victim. Now, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, let's let let's face it. I mean, there is a lot of, particularly in the early movies, a lot of. Well, I've had a good run. Flat axe to the face. <laughs> you know, just... Poor Barry and Claudette. They they loved hard, and they, <laughs> they might not have loved well. They loved hard, but died easily. <laughs> <laughs> they really did. They were not what you would call tough. You think how much kills. confidence, think how much confidence that must have given Pamela Voorhees that a woman in her, oh no, she actually would have been in her, what, the 40s at this point? 30, this 20, 30s? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that easily took out two people, one of them a guy half her age, armed with, you know, probably like a kitchen knife. And it just, kitchen it knife was, or a hunting knife, yeah. Yeah, it this, was just that easy. I mean, you know, the guy just stood there while she came up to him and stabbed him. The girl tossed a couple obviously empty cartons at her and then just get well you know that's all right i guess i deserve this it doesn't really quite start with the bang of let's say a scream or a halloween or, or, or a or a elm street or a friday the 13th part four where the dude gets his fucking head ripped off which <laughs> i can't wait to get to that because holy <laughs> shit i'm already rubbing my hands in anticipation together in anticipation for that one Oh, well, don't rub too hard because as we've seen today, that kind of friction can make people very uncomfortable <laughs> or incredibly sexually gratified. So I'm not going to tell you not to do it because that's really not my place. Annie comes into town and she decides the very first thing that she does is ask a dog for directions. <laughs> This is what leads me to believe that Annie is high as a kite. Or she's just, you know, a, a quirky free spirit who possibly is also still high. Yes, she very well could be a quirky free spirit, but she's also stoned out of her damn gourd. Uh, she's wearing the most amount of clothes you could possibly wear on a summer's day. She's got strapped to every part of her. She's wearing everything that she owns that she didn't leave in the van that's going around following the dead that particular summer. <laughs> Annie then, after not getting the answers that she wanted from a dog, walks into what could only be described as the Red Herring Cafe because it's populated by an entire group of people who look at her like they want to murder her. Yeah, this is this is some straight up David Lynch shit here because yes. you really expect the, you know, the the theme to Twin Peaks to be playing when she when she walks in there. Mm -hmm. Is every you know, everybody sitting there is just kind of shady and, and yes. grimy and just eyeing her like a chicken fried steak. <laughs> oh god. They really are immediately set off like what what is this person whose name last name and business i don't know is come into this cafe who are you she asks hey i'm going up to camp crystal lake does anyone know how i can get there and that the immediate response is you mean camp blood now gina if you are working at a place let's just say it's an office park 
and you asked for directions from the local Starbucks, and the person behind the counter said, oh, you mean office park blood? <laughs> Would you continue driving there? Well, you know, I, I, I would probably, you know, at least, you know, want to ask, like, where did it, where did it get this name? Could you maybe, you know, give me a little, give me a little background story on this? And yeah, I, I would definitely, this would definitely be a situation where I would require more information. She asked for it eventually, but it doesn't come out right away. The owner or proprietor of this particular cafe, who is lorded over by the most giant man with a broom. And then the proprietor goes, oh, Enos, you're going towards the, uh, that's the truck driver's name. And he looks like an Enos. Along the way, we meet Ralph, or as he's affectionately known, Crazy Ralph. This is strike number two. You come into town, you don't know where you're going, you're told where you are going as a nickname called Camp Blood, and then along the way, you meet a guy whose nickname is Crazy. And unless it's because he does a lot of donuts in the church parking lot, <laughs> I would back off from that. Crazy Ralph then does his, you know, he makes a pronouncement that that place, quote unquote, has a death curse. It's got a death curse. And then he rides away on his bike with the most amazing posture I've ever seen of a person riding a bike. Yeah, this is like, this is like he, he you know, has, he grew up with someone poking a pencil or a ruler into his back over and over again. Yeah, to reference Mr. Science Theater 3000, which might become a motif here, uh, he's a posture pal. <laughs> I look at him and I go, well, there's a there's a loser who's probably drunk all the time. Uh, he lives in a hovel, but he has better posture than I ever will. He's winning in, in one area of his life, at least. Absolutely. She's picked up by a person in a Jeep. That person whizzes by Camp Crystal Lake. She goes, hey, you got to let me off. That person just speeds up, and then she does a tuck and roll out of a moving jeep into a ditch. I am not, at this moment in my life, ready to do a tuck and roll out of a moving jeep. Is anybody really, I mean, is, is anybody prepared? That's like one of those things where an ordinary person does it, and then miraculously, minutes later, they're able to just get up and dust themselves off and keep walking. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think that, like, normal people would just just kind of just lay there for a little while. Like after they're done rolling, they would just kind of, you know, lay there groaning and possibly. Oh no, I would, I would not be getting up. (laughs) All the air would be taken out of my lungs. I would just be cursing myself. And these are the things that I now have to consider every time I take an Uber. (laughs) I, can I jump out of this moving vehicle? (laughs) The killer here. And spoiler alert for a movie that came out 36 years ago at the time of this recording. Mrs. Voorhees is not like the later iterations of the Voorhees family. She is not a power player. She is sneaky as fuck. And she takes people by surprise. You're looking right. She comes at you left. That's how it goes with her because she is not physically intimidating. She has to kind of be a bit of a middle-aged white lady ninja. The idea of like backing yourself up to a tree so you can see an almost 180 degrees or more around you is a decent enough 
idea. She just didn't know that this woman who's walking in some of the biggest boots you've ever seen in your life can walk on leaves without making a sound. She's had a lot of time just sneaking around the woods to, uh, True. to, to, you know, pick, picture out, you know, find the best way to be stealthy. Right. Well, much more practice than I ever would have had. Um, I don't, I have pine trees outside of my house, but I, I don't have enough trees to really practice on stepping on dry leaves and not making a sound. It's a, it's a great skill. She should put that on her resume. Um, it, it, it is definitely a, 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 a rapidly fading art, I think. <laughs> Young people today don't value that as a skill. They want to take their selfies. They want to listen to podcasts. There's so many people dying in these movies. It's hard to keep track of them. That's why we're helping you. And generally, they make virtually no impression on you whatsoever, except the jokester and the virginal girl, you know, the couple that can't keep their hands off each other for more than five minutes at a time. And Ned is attached to one of those couples. He is both the jokester and the third wheel to Jack and Marcy. Ned, throughout the rest of his time in the film, is spent horsing around or doing goof-em-ups. Yeah, he, Ned is the, the the jokester of the group. There's yes, one he's the prankster. There's virtually one in in every one of the movie every one of the movies. They are always yes. the character that the audience is happiest when they are brutally killed. Because <laughs> let's face it, no one wants to be stuck in a cabin out in the middle of the woods with a guy who is constantly playing jokes. He's a prankster. Look, I'm pretending to be hanging from a tree. That's hilarious. Look, I looked like I just committed suicide. Why don't you love me yet? And, um, yeah. and the interesting—the only thing that makes it work for George Clooney is he looks like George Clooney. Otherwise, even like fuck that guy with his constant pranks. He's awful, and I, I, I am actually disappointed that you don't get to see his character killed. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I did observe while while doing mm-hmm. a little research on this movie that was troubling, <laughs> yes. or yeah, not so much troubling as baffling. Okay. I'm, the, I'm, I'm waiting. The, um, some of the characters, most of them aren't, are not given the courtesy of having a last name on mm-hmm. the, in the credits, uh, you know, because, you know, fuck it, they're going to die. They're going to die eventually anyway. Mm-hmm. But Ned does have a last name. Okay. And his last name is Rubenstein. Now, okay. when we have, we will skip it now. This will be a little while, but when we eventually get to part three mm-hmm. there is another character who is the joke em up the prankster the goofy guy mm-hmm. of the movie that oh, is yeah. that is shelly yes now, memorably shelly now shelly's last name is finkelstein <laughs> oh so, no i i i I think and, my, I think my favorite thing about the wiki, the wiki page for him mm-hmm. is it's just it lists known relatives walter finkelstein father and his mother, Mrs. Finkelstein. <laughs> <laughs> it, it seemed almost destiny that she ended up married to Mr. Finkelstein when you think about it. Oh, dear. 
And then a bike cop rolls in for absolutely no reason. He immediately thinks everyone is high, which may or may not be true. And Jack goes, hey, nice bike. And the cop goes, hey, would you just walk off a spaceship? And he's like, what? He's like, so what have you been smoking? Colombian gold, res, hash, the weed. Like, res? What is that? I've never heard of Colombian gold before. We need, we need to stop and point out that that the the cop in this yeah. is named Officer Dorf. <laughs> Officer Dorf. Like as in on golf. Yeah, of the <laughs> of the on golf family of Dorfs. The only other thing I know about that bike cop is he had never ridden on a motorcycle before that that scene. And like any good actor, when he was asked ahead of time, if you ever ridden a motorcycle, he said, yes, he never practiced. And so when he rides off, he practically falls off the fucking thing. It's like uh, when uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, when they, when he goes to the biker bar, they, they give him the bike and to, to, to continue his trip to Hollywood. He like drives, yes. he drives into the sign and immediately falls over. That's like one of my favorite scenes. Uh, and he's like one second away from that happening. <laughs> And then he looks at a cabin and that's the last we see him until uh, we find him later while Jack and Marcy are having sex. He is in his body is in the bunk above them bleeding out because his throat has been slashed. Well, you know, that's just, that's just, you know, sometimes you, you people add a little incense, a little Depeche Mode music. Jack and Marcy <laughs> ha, ha, have, the, have the corpse of their possible frenemy. I mean, I really can't see how anybody could really enjoy spending time with this guy, but just, exsanguating you and you're just a mere six feet or so above their heads. I mean, people get up. Marcy at one point walks off to go to the bathroom. She doesn't see the body. But then again, you know, she just had sex with Jack and that, that'll that take a lot out of you. She's just uh, in that but We'll of, get to she's, that. She's we in that, blind, that blinding afterglow yes. of sex well, with Kevin Bacon. Just thinking about it now, <laughs> I, I can't think about anything else. And then we have Marcy and Jack who've absconded off to a cabin and they're making love below a corpse that's bleeding on them. Marcy gets up to pee and then Jack states quite loudly, well, hurry up because I'm cold and then puts on the world's thinnest T-shirt. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not even a t- it's a tank top. This is the only scrap of clothing, you know, no blankets or anything. I mean, they, I mean, I realize it's the middle of summer, but I mean, it's a camp they should have. I mean, they're probably going to be one of those, you know, scratchy Army Navy blankets, but they're going to have has, blankets somewhere. That's what's draped up to his, his nipple level <laughs> um, to hide the makeup appliance. They've given him this line so that they can set up the dummy he's going to uh, lay underneath. He yanks out a J and lights it up. <laughs> Another thing you don't want to do when you're cold. Have you ever smoked weed when you're cold? No. Okay. It's not a cure for, for a temperature. It just really isn't. It's it, Whereas alcohol will bring out, you know, you'll ex- expel a bunch of heat. Weed only it makes everything worse. So I don't think he's cold. I think that's a scam. <laughs> I think he should be ashamed of himself. Between the sex and, and the marijuana and the lying about being cold. I mean, there's just being set up as someone that clearly needs to be to be punished. And, and he is about to be severely punished. So let us get to that. He's He takes a hit. He flicks off the cherry off the end of his joint. And he gets tapped on the forehead with a droplet of blood. And before he can 
discern exactly what is happening here. An arrow protrudes through his neck. Now he's lying down, and it, so it comes through the back of him. Yeah, yes. I have a little. I have a little trouble with the the logistics of, and I realize in later movies the the deaths get a little more implausible. Let's say, and but I mean, for one thing, the, the hand that that comes up on his forehead—that's yes. very obviously a. a a gentleman's hand. I mean, you it's can, a Greek gentleman's hand. Yeah, you yes. can definitely tell that is not an, an, an older woman's hand. And I don't know if <laughs> at that point they were... It's not genderless. Let's put it that way. No, no. And I, I'm not sure at that time that they hadn't... If they hadn't decided yet that it was going to be Mrs. Voorhees. I mean, because, you know, it could have... Betsy Palmer could have laid under the bed put her hand up on his forehead. I mean, it was just... A, I mean, obviously, no one was literally jamming an arrow through the back of his neck but you have to put an arrow and presumably it was something they grabbed from the archery range and somehow managed to shove it hard enough through a layer of mattress a layer mm-hmm. of springs and the back of someone's neck and oh, you have a spinal column in the way too yeah i mean this i would is... think that's a minute it pokes the back of his neck he's gonna be you know leaping up how would she know where to put her hand her right hand that comes up is she's using that as a guide but imagine the forearm strength it takes to because that bed's only eight inches off the ground exactly so she it's not like she's on the other end of that arrow she's only got one hand to do this right because the other one is holding his forehead down so yes you're right through mattress through springs through his spinal column, through the rest of his throat, all with one arm. Man, she is jacked. <laughs> she is jacked. I mean, I mean, I can only assume it's from years of, you know, cutting wood and, and you know, doing general labor at a, at a, at a summer camp. But it, it's still a little, I'm not sure how that would work. And, 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 and it's not even like it just just comes up through his neck. It's like slowly pushed through. <laughs> and, and obviously that is for, you know, for gruesome effect. He's just laying there. La, da, da. Oh, there's a thing poking at the back of my neck. Perhaps it's a mosquito. You know, I mean, it's bad enough. He just laying there and, you know, there's stuff dripping on them. They don't even notice. I mean, I, I, I live in New York. Anything drips on me. I immediately move out of the way. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that's going to be. I hope it's an air conditioner. It could be someone urinating out of a window. So, I it's, mean, yeah. I mean, and if I'm laying in like a cabin, I mean, it, this could be bird shit. It could be, you know, a, a raccoon foaming at the mouth and you're just going to lay there and like, that, that's our, I'm okay with this. This is fine. It's probably a little rainwater. For what it is, I think it's a pretty nifty trick. It doesn't make a damn bit of sense but he's just given a pretty exciting send-off for this movie and that leads us to our one-two punch of marcy who has gone off to pee goes to this outhouse and proceeds to have what could only be described as an actor's workshop of monologuing talking to herself characters interacting with nothing it just, I, I, and then she does the one thing, like the 
amazing trend that you found last time with our Judaic tricksters, uh, which really was an eye opener. We have yet another trope within the Friday the 13th universe. That is people who are in their 20s doing impersonations of 30s and 40s movie stars. Oh, yes, you're for right. For no reason. <laughs> I don't know if maybe is because I am, we are both too young to have been this age at this time where we just, they were inundated with a lot of 30s and 40s movies on TV. Is that the excuse? The only reason I know that's an impersonation of somebody is because I watched too much Bugs Bunny. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't exactly. know that she was going for something there. <laughs> but at least Bugs Bunny, he was doing something that was contemporary. She is just doing an impersonation of someone whom, to be honest with you, I don't know. I was supposed to look it up and I didn't. And I'm kind of okay with it because if I can't tell who that is, it can't be that great of an impersonation. It would be great if they like just did a straight remake and then like had someone, you know, singing like, I don't know, uh, the strawberry alarm clock or something like that. Just some relatively obscure musician from the sixties. Like. <laughs> so in totally out of step with their own generation. She's just entertaining her herself, I guess, which has no, nobody in a movie when they're by themselves ever acts like people really do when they're by themselves. You know, when they're by themselves, you talk to yourself, you sing to yourself, you just get a little, you know, I'm saying you like, I don't do this. I do this. <laughs> No, you can you accuse enter- me. It's fine. You, you entertain yourself. Kind of boring and lonely walking around a silent house by yourself. So, you know, now I don't know if I'm going around imitating, you know, Eddie Cantor or Al Jolson or, you know, seeing, hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. I might Is actually, that- actually, I might do that, but only because Michigan J. Frog. So. Yeah, everybody's Which again, up would the be little- a reference to something from the 40s. Right. So but, you, you, like, you know, you pick up the chicken, you do the little, the little, Yes, thanks. I may have said too much. <laughs> well, I now I know that I won't be having chicken when I'm over at the house. <laughs> we have Marcy searching about uh, the the outhouse uh, or women's restroom area, and a little bit of cat and mouse game with a person wearing the world's thickest boots ever. We've seen these boots before. We're reestablishing the boots. She checks some showers. They're empty. Turns around and immediately crumbles. She doesn't know who this person is. She sees a person who we will learn later is uh, Mrs. Voorhees. Right. With a hatchet. And she just doesn't... There's no fight in her. There's no attempt to escape yeah, she's There's just like, no, she, she's hell just, no, I won't die. Right. She's just like, oh, I've had a good run. Flang. <laughs> yeah, I went out on a high. I totally went to the bone zone with Kevin Bacon in his 80s prime. So <laughs> I guess I'm worth I guess I'm OK checking out. The hatchet comes up and hits the light source in either an homage to Psycho or they're just establishing that it's a hatchet. Or they accidentally hit hit the lamp while filming it. Well, it's its own shot, so they they set it up to do this. Oh, okay, okay. It's not like it's continuous. It's its own shot. We see it swing back down, and then she comes into frame from the right side with the hatchet appliance straight into her left eye, and she's gone. 
to wonder if Mrs. Voorhees had the hatchet under the bed with her and or did like she just happen to have one carefully placed where she, you know, could just grab it on her way out like you would grab your keys leaving the house in the morning or I mean... (laughs) She may have laced the environment of Camp Crystal Lake with weapons for herself. She does seem rather crafty. Certainly, Jason does not lay that many traps or or he does, I think, maybe in our next film. He really just kind of relied largely on, you know, whatever happened to be sitting around or, yes. or, or his bare hands at a certain point. So because, well, he has the strength to do that. You know, he starts off as a rather slight, starving to death, crazy mutant from the forest and then becomes the Incredible Hulk with a hockey mask on. <laughs> So he he is physically intimidating. She, although that cable knit sweater does bulk her up quite a bit. And apparently she is, you know, strong enough to shove an arrow, you know, through an entire bed and through someone's entire spinal column. So she's yes. got some the lady's got some brawn. She's got some brawn or she's she's running off a of psycho strength. Who knows <laughs> what it is? You know, that sort of a rush of adrenaline that allows a mother to pull a, a car off of their baby. As we were constantly told in the 70s, <laughs> that this was something that happened. And yet, since then, I can't say that I've heard very much about it. That that was the realm of, like, that's incredible and real people where they would say yeah. stories like that. And now with, like, camera phones... Like UFOs, this is a phenomena that does not exist. It, it, Otherwise, yeah. we would see evidence of it. Yeah, that, that's true. I mean, that is something that mothers, my mother's friends, college roommates swears that someone like this, something like this happened. And no one's ever witnessed it. No one's ever had a personal story. And then we are off of her and we see Brenda and uh, friends breaking up their their stoned Monopoly, strip Monopoly game. Uh, this is right after Alice has literally lost her shirt. And then the lights go out. And here is, I think, the line of the movie for me in terms of question marks that I have. <laughs> this is the biggest one, okay? So here's Brenda. She's the tallest girl. She's the most athletic She is the strongest. When someone pretends to drown, she passes everyone else in a dead sprint like they're standing still. (laughs) Brenda is the most intimidating threat in this entire movie. Yeah, I would agree. She is the most physically capable. They don't worry about whether or not she comes off as feminine or not or anything along those lines. The, The windows are blown out by the storm. Oh, right, right, right. And the, and, the, and the money goes everywhere. So Brenda, let's get to the meat of this. Brenda turns and goes, oh, that's a shame. And then she turns directly to Alice and says, right when it was getting interesting. Mm. She doesn't say that to the guy. Mm. She says that to Alice. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, 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 th- I think she's bi. That's possible. Or, or a lesbian, either is uh, perfectly acceptable answers to me, the white cis guy. Um, <laughs> but that to me says, oh, we were about to get stoned and have sex. <laughs> All three of us. <laughs> and this is the only thing that stopped it. 
because apparently everybody just came to this camp not to work but to engage in a, a lot of marijuana smoking a lot of sex with each other i would imagine that the working in a summer camp experience might have some of that i mean i was a i was a camp attendant as a child i never worked at a camp but i mean it seems at some point you probably should start working on actually getting the camp ready to open. Well, you can't really do that in the middle of a storm. I'll give you that. Well, when, fair enough. When the storm clouds come in and it's in the middle of the night, th- that is your prime time for the bone zone. That I'm perfectly <laughs> okay with. They've been left to their own devices. But I just find this moment exhilarating. Like it's this uh, completely unexpected moment from a movie that you primarily view through the lens of it being an 80s movie, even though it was filmed in like 79. And it's much more loose. And none of the sex in here is really, with the exception of the opening section, uh, where the two counselors, when we flash back, when they get it, that sort of sex is is considered, oh, you can tell that they feel they're doing something wrong. Right. Nobody they're, in this they're being, group feels they're yeah. doing something wrong. Curious if, if that's supposed to... If one is supposed to believe that that, you know, further enrages Mrs. Voorhees, because these 70s kids are so much more, you know, free and open with their uh, with with their bad behavior that you know, they must pay. I, I think she it's if the if the camp opens, she's going to go in there and try to shut it down. So Brenda goes off. She puts on the world's most 70s nightgown. Of cotton. It's like the carry nightgown. Yeah, it's very it's very white and plain with a little bit of frill going on and some needlepoint action to it. <laughs> um, it's not sexy. <laughs> well, not you know, she, she doesn't it, need to a, be sexy for me. That's it, that's really rude. That's unfortunate. She doesn't need to sex it up for me. You have full screen shot of Kevin of Kevin Bacon. I was say Kevin Costner. Kevin Bacon's uh, butt. I mean, either it's or. All, it's all da- it's pretty much all downhill from there as far as the sexiness is yeah. concerned. You know, it's 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 a, it's reached the peak level at that point and just quickly plummets after that. Uh, so that's when the lights go out and she dons her uh, the green raincoat to try to bring the lights back on. And she hears a whisper as she's doing this. This is the other element where, you know, Mrs. Voorhees is a thinker like she's she's crafty because this is where you he'll hear the help me help me and it sounds like a little girl now she has witnessed brenda try to rescue somebody who was pretending to drown earlier and and saw that she was the one who ran the fastest so she's luring brenda knowing that she's the type of person who won't just sit in her bed and read she's going to go out into the middle of the rain if she thinks that somebody needs help yeah but why would like if she's doing like a little girl voice do you think brenda just kind of has a sort of just immediate lock and loaded mindset where it's not going to occur to her. Why would there be a child just wandering around in the middle of the night in this unopened summer camp? I think that she's the kind that up until now has not let someone else's prank stop her from examining something. She's not afraid of these people. She's mm-hmm. not intimidated by any of the guys or the girls. This is what makes her, <laughs> I'm building up Brenda, but I'm telling you, Brenda is the best character in Friday the 13th. She's definitely the unsung 
you can't really call her the heroine because she didn't make it, but she's no. you know, definitely an, 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 un, an underrated character. I think what they may have been trying to do somewhat is give the audience some doubt that Alice would be our final girl. Hmm. That she, or that they were trying to set her up in the same way PJ Souls is set up in Halloween as the person you're, you're, you become more attuned to. Like, oh, I like her. I hope she doesn't die. Yeah, I mean, there is a there is a lot of there's definitely a lot of similarities between Alice and uh, and Laurie from Halloween. They're both a little meek. They're both kind of virginal. Let's say it. Uh, no, I was just gonna say that we know that Alice isn't a virgin. She's sleeping with well, the no. owner of the camp, and he's begging to get back in with her. And she's like, you know what? I've been there and done that and we'll discuss this at another time <laughs> well yeah that's true that's true but still i mean there, there's a lot of there's a lot of similarities there i, yes. I think they're, they're definitely tr- we're trying to go for that type when they cast her right. for sure so brenda wanders off searching for this voice she ends up at the archery a word that i had a great amount of trouble recalling earlier <laughs> and then lights are turned on she's surprised and the screen goes blank and we don't know what happens to her later during the mayhem we get we get to witness what may or may not have happened to brenda because we get a defenestration where she's thrown through a window at alice again brenda no small fry probably the tallest person in the camp just thrown willy-nilly through a window she's wrapped in ropes yeah your face looks bloody so but it still doesn't really doesn't really give you any kind of idea of what happened to her just it involved a lot of ropes either i'm I'm wondering now if, if there was a different death set up for her and just they could not get it to work so they're like fuck it just throw her through a window it's just it, it is a little weird how you get like no idea what happened to her not as weird as the guy in part two who just sort of disappears entirely yeah this it's 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 interesting to you know try to ponder what her original death might have originally been just yeah what might have happened to her well one assumes that she was set up to be shot with arrows because there's the gag earlier in the film where bill harry uh cosby's character surprises her with an arrow She's kind of lured again to the archery center and he shoots an arrow right in front of her. Uh, that's, this always, that's, always, that's always fun to do. Right. <laughs> so later Harry shows up and he's got a face full of arrows. But why would I mean, it uh, It just doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make any sense. And I'm calling you out on the carpet. Now, see, if you go to horror.wikia.com, it does mm-hmm. say it does say Brenda Hit with arrow, thrown through window, tied with a rope. So apparently, an, an arrow <laughs> was involved in her death at some at, at, at some point in time. I man, if you got a weapon, a choice here. Mrs. Voorhees goes for the knife first, just a regular old hunting knife, and arrow second because she is dispatched three people with an arrow in well, this maybe entire like, movie. Maybe she shoots Brenda with an arrow and Brenda just kind of like just pulls it right out and, and you know, or does a thing where like, you know, she breaks it off and, you know, and, and starts immediately putting a tourniquet on and, and you know, Mrs. Ward is like, oh, shit. And then decides she has to like, you know, none of the rest of them went this hard and, you know. 
<laughs> she's like the T-1000. She just yanks that arrow out and, and starts to he- see with her ears as to where Mrs. Forky is. She's intimidated. She's got to take care of her from a distance. Otherwise, Brenda would fuck up Mrs. Voorhees' shit. I'm exactly, sure exactly. What can we say about Steve that's positive, Gina? He, he has a he has a spectacular mustache. He absolutely has a spectacular mustache. That's true. It adorns his face very well. He has a face for a mustache. Doesn't look out of place. He looks a little bit like he should be, you know, playing the keyboards for sticks. It's an interesting look for a, a, a camp, a summer camp owner. I, that may have been the time. I, I think if you took a picture of anybody around 1979, 1980, chances are they looked like they could be playing keyboards for sticks. Like that's true. My my, my dad looked like he could have been playing keyboard for sticks back then. So. <laughs> My dad was way too square. He looked like maybe in charge of transportation or security or, or he played like five neat guys from uh, from SCTV. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> he also had a mustache, but a very, very well kept mustache. The only woman who really gives him any time is the owner of the diner that he eats at for the ridiculous low price of like a dollar and change <laughs> is is most one of the most anachronistic parts of this is his price tag at the end and he's like gives her three dollars and she goes to give him change like hold on to that <laughs> that's where you're making why would you do that i know you're supposed to go through the motions but like hold, he's giving you a dollar and change from a meal that cost a buck 71 hold on to that (laughs) and then he gets a ride from a sheriff's the the sheriff i guess and who treats him like he's an uber driver and they yimmer yammer to one another the sheriff gets a call on the radio uh he says i gotta drop you off and then he wanders towards camp a bunch of things happen in the middle and then in the blackest night possible uh, we see Steve approach the uh, Camp Crystal Lake sign. And I think how darkly this film is shot, if we could ever so briefly talk about it, is one of its great advantages. So Steve wanders up and he gets stabbed in the stomach. He got what he, he really got what was coming to him. He, he did. And, and it's just it is actually a shame that his death is kind of just sort of kind of I, I would say not really off the cover I don't think they put a lot of thought into it no. it was just you know well just make it look like you know you just have an effect that you know the, the, the POV is that he just walks right up the, well she just walks right up to him and stabs him whatever and it's just it's like well I mean the, again the lighting gives it a very spooky effect but it's sort of uh, anticlimactic I guess would be the word I'm looking for. Now, I mean, even yes. in the, again in the in the, the 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 wiki, it just says killed in stomach slash chest. So that you know, <laughs> well, it looks like something. People can't was, tell where his stomach is and where a chest is. You know, it's I, like I, we didn't see the knife go into his face, so we can assume <laughs> it was either his stomach or his chest. Somewhere amongst the yellow slicker lies his body. We're not going to judge. Now, does his chest could be very low? His stomach could be. Where it's supposed to be. Okay. Does, 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 she, refresh, does, does she refresh my memory? Does she, does Alice, 
is is he set up for her to find like with the like with Bill and Brenda and all? I don't think he is, is he? No, he is not. We don't really get the cavalcade of corpses that becomes a motif later on, uh, particularly in the next film, part two, where the killer gathers corpses. Surprise! <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> I mean, oh, well, the only true gathering of corpses that I care about really is happy birthday to me. Well, of course, yeah. Which, that is the best. But no, we don't get a, a we get a sm- we get a, a smidgen of it here. We get a taste. And later on, people go, oh, you know, it would be better if we put all the bodies in one place. So uh, he's not amongst that. He's just left to rot and, and the, uh, to bleed out. In, unlamented. In the the unloved. Unlamented. And then when the lights come back on, she closes the door to the generator and there's Bill hung up on the door with an arrow in the neck and an arrow in the eye. Just, and his just, throat just, slashed for a good measure. And again, that, that has to, that emphasizes what kind of sheer animal strength Mrs. Voorhees must possess to lift up a grown man and be able to just nail him to a wall with an arrow. Yes, I mean, he's not exact, He's not sporting a lot of extra weight on him, but he's at least, what, 175, 180, 185 pounds to lift that dead weight, not only from wherever she killed him from, and then hoist him upon a door. Like, one-handed. It would have to to be one-handed, too. (laughs) I mean, she is... Yeah, she must have grown Uh, up on a she must have grown up on a farm or something like that. I mean, that's the only assumption I can make. And to do that without smearing her beautiful sweater (laughs) in viscera, I mean, she the woman is talented. Let's just put it out there. Let's let's praise her for what she is. She she carefully good at this. She carefully scotch guarded her sweater before each kill. She's an, older, she's, she's, she's an older woman. She's probably a little fussy, you know, so she, she, uh-huh. spray, she sprays it down, you know? I mean, that, that's, yeah, that's, 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 that sweater costs $40 at Montgomery Ward. She's not going to, that'll never come out. No, 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 no. And it's not like, you know, if you love that sweater, you go back next season, it's not going to be there. They're going to no. have different sweaters there. Then we get Alice trying to protect herself. And for the next 20 to 25 minutes is her running around various environments. So Jason quote unquote dies. And we'll get into that for the rest of our lives after this. (laughs) And we especially need to talk about it at the beginning of, of our next episode. But now we get to Mrs. Voorhees is in full on psycho uh, mode. She bears her smoker's teeth she, they lunge and they have this sort of rock'em, sock'em robots, uh, Star Trek, Captain Kirk fight <laughs> along the shore. Um, well, wait, you didn't, you're, you're, you're skipping past the whole, have you, have you, are you skipping past the whole killer, mommy, killer? I am skipping past that. I, <laughs> I apologize for that. Yes, we, we get the, what the <laughs> of that will happen throughout <laughs> as the motif uh, is born from her killer mommy kill her. Um, it's it's another it's another it's another moment in the movie that should be creepy, but it's 
kind of more silly. I mean, even, even when, you know, even when you're, you know, like a kid when you're watching it, it's like, oh, that's, that's, that's kind of goofy. Yeah, at least Norman's mom only can be heard in his head. Right. You don't have him, you know, enunciating like his mother and whatnot. <laughs> this is, this is seriously a bizarre choice. Um, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I, I don't like it. I kind of love it. It just is what it is. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't watch the movie as often as I have watched it. So now we get the the head chopping off like William Defoe from Spider-Man. And I love it. Uh, and she just kind of like, what? And we get that beautiful slow motion head chop of her head coming off and spinning in the opposite direction of where it, you know, it's, it's very reminiscent of the head chop in the omen. Right. Right. Uh, with the plate glass. Um, uh, but this, you know, it doesn't, it does not look all that fake. It looks, it's not bad. I mean, I, I, that, bad. that, that part is better than the, bloodless neck stump you know as the as the the hands just kind of i mean it's kind of it's it's kind of creepy when the hands come up and start like well flailing around but it's mm-hmm. like that's basically painted styrofoam i can i can see that you know i yes. mean it's that that part is a little that 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 part is the spinning head is done way better than you know the body part yes well the body part is on Tom Savini's friend's shoulders. He's leaning forward and he, he uh, brings his hands up and that's, I think um, I can, there's some sort of uh, problem. Not only do you see his, his knuckle hair, his black Greek <laughs> knuckle hair. <laughs> that's how Tom Savini describes it. This is not my anti hirsute Greek uh, problems coming to light. And, um, and then I think there's a wedding ring that's either missing or there that shouldn't be. I can't remember which. Um, but yeah, she just, she gets taken out by Alice and Alice's reaction is, well, I've had nothing but a horrible time on land. I'm just going to get in this canoe and go in the middle of the lake. Just gonna just gonna chill for a little bit. I'm not I'm not gonna you know, find the nearest highway and start running and screaming, you know, like like my hair is on fire. Yeah, I mean, like everyone is. I mean, I can't. I in a way I get it, but in a way I don't. It's like there's other canoes. If you're afraid of other people, like they they all they have to do is borrow a canoe and come after you. So yeah, she she pushes herself into the middle of the lake and then we fade out and then we come up uh, with the carry mist in the air. <laughs> we see the police arrive and shout at her, but she can't, she's kind of in her own world of, I just chop someone's head off. Just, you know, all, dabbling all of, in all, the water. All of my friends are dead. You know, reflecting on what's become of her life. <laughs> and then we get the, on top of it, Carrie scare of Jason leaping out of the water and dragging her back down, which I think if we were both in this audience, 
not knowing anything more than the poster uh, or the trailer for this movie might have scared the living hell out of us. It's pretty it, it's pretty effective. It, it, it is. I mean, even, you know, even knowing that, you know, she didn't actually die in that scene. Spoiler. Um, you know, that she that she does show up very briefly at the at the beginning of, of the second one. It's 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 just, it's about as startling as well the end of Carrier, which it, it's similar mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. It was um, directly ripping off. Yeah, I mean the very they, kind they of stated as such like we need a carry ending. Yeah, the very kind of dreamlike feeling of it, and the the sort of like you know very synthesizer heavy you know music playing and, and and then like you know the sort of false sense of you know peacefulness after the chaos and then you know ah, ah, here comes a dead person you know the person you thought was dead you know dragging you to some sort of you know horrifying afterlife doom it, yes. i mean despite being a pretty blatant ripoff it's it's very well done i i think it, it's yeah. it, it's it, it holds up very well and i think it's it's the the makeup in this at this point makes more sense to have him be sort of deformed and disfigured right because he's been and, i mean because apparently no one dragged the lake after he drowned, right. and he's been just sitting laying under there like moldering for 20 years and and you know because i guess the crystal lake police force just doesn't have it in the budget to skim the lake when a child drowns you know so he's suspended yeah, did they assume that he drowned i i know this is a dream i know i know because she wakes up in the hospital we know this is a dream, but for the love of God, it, it, but then they build off of this. The entire franchise is built off of this moment of the supposition that Jason didn't die. Right. But that completely undoes the entire motivation for Mrs. Voorhees. Right, and it's like she's a, just right. nutso. Yeah, and, and, and he just, like lives off the land as a crazy goon in the forest. M- meanwhile, she's I've lost my child. I need to kill people who open this camp over and over again <laughs> and poison the well. You, I, I just which 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 might have been easier for her to do. <laughs> that, that yeah, poisoning the well might have been a uh, a a faster way to get rid of everybody. Well, that's one of the things that is brought up by the truck driver when they're taking um, Annie to the camp. And she goes, "Yeah, they they had two kids die, and then the year after that, the well was poisoned, or something like that." <laughs> so, oh my God, the emails we're gonna get. Oh Jesus. <laughs> Guys, gotta start keeping better notes. Kill by Kill is produced by We Write Good and is intended for entertainment purposes only. Friday the 13th is owned by Paramount Pictures. Jason is owned by New Line Cinema. No infringement is intended. Kill by Kill logo was designed by Josh Hollis. Visit him at joshhollis.com. The Kill by Kill theme was created exclusively for us by Revenge Body. Get the whole track and much, much more at revengebodymemphis.bandcamp.com today. <laughs>